Welcome to Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. Today, Dr. Forrest teaches us about Jesus, the great physician. We are a church growing and thriving, overflowing with love, strengthening the family, transforming the community, impacting the world, where every member is a minister and a church alive is worth the drive. Can I get an amen? Amen. Hallelujah. I want to talk to you this morning about Jesus, the great physician. And it's going to be a little different twist than what you might expect by that title. I want to talk about the importance of recognizing Jesus as the great physician. Making Him your doctor. Amen? Hallelujah. Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 23. We won't cover all of those verses, but this is the scripture passage that I am gleaning from. Starting in verse 1, it says, And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being forty days tempted of the devil. And in those days he did eat nothing. And when they were ended, he afterward hungered. You know, the King James Bible has a penchant for understatement sometimes. You know, I have read that when you go without food, for 40 days, that the hunger actually decreases over a period of time. And then at the 40-day mark, it comes back, and it comes back hard. So when the Bible says he was hungry, he was really hungry, really hungry. And as you know, uh, in that weakened state, the devil came in to tempt Jesus. Now, i got a whole teaching on this, and I can't go there right now because it would be a rabbit trail that would be too long. But... Uh, Jesus was weakened in the flesh, but he was strong in the spirit because he had spent 40 days communing with his father in the wilderness. Amen. So I want to talk about of the three temptations, the one I want to zero in on is uh, mentioned by Luke here in verse 9. And he brought him to Jerusalem and set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, Cast thyself down from hence. For it is written, He shall give His angels charge over thee to keep thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. And Jesus answering said unto him, It is said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Amen. The reason I wanted to concentrate on the pinnacle of the temple is because it's very germane to the topic at hand. That is, Jesus, the great physician. you got to know that there was a deep desire in the heart of Jesus to be accepted by the people as their Messiah, as their deliverer, as their healer, as their great physician. Even though he knew that most of the people he was sent to save would reject him. So during the temptation of the pinnacle of the temple... The devil exploited that deep desire at a human level and also at a divine level. He exploited that desire in the form of a twisted and wicked temptation, even using the Word of God against Jesus at His point of weakness in the flesh. The pinnacle of the temple is believed to be either the southwest corner or the southeast corner of Herod's Temple Mount depending on which theory you ascribe to, a a jump from the pinnacle to the street below would be anywhere from 164 feet 
to 450 feet. Needless to say, either way, a jump from that high up is going to be fatal for a normal human being. Amen? Amen. To be sure, it would be a way that Jesus could prove to everyone that He was the Son of God indeed. If He could walk on water, which He did later, surely He could walk on air or float down with the aid of angels and land softly on the pavement or or he could hurl himself off and have the angels catch him at the last minute for dramatic effect and then blow a trumpet and say I am your Messiah there was even a tradition at the time of Jesus that when Messiah would come he would come and announce his presence at the pinnacle of the temple but even though he was tempted You know, it's not a temptation if it's not tempting. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Even though he was tempted, he knew better than to dishonor his father by such a vain display of power. He knew better. It was not the Holy Spirit's way, and it was a blatant violation of Scripture. So let's pick it up at verse 13. And when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. You know, sometimes when you're getting beat up by the devil and you put your foot down and you start declaring who you are in Christ and I've had enough of this and quoting the word to him and taking the name of Jesus to him, you know, he'll depart for a season, but only for a season. He'll be back. So just be ready, okay? The time to armor up is in those lulls when he's not bothering you so that you're well able to weather the next attack. Amen? I didn't plan on saying that, so I won't charge you anything extra for that. (laughs) And when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him through all the region round about. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up, for to read. Now that's important to remember. It was his regular custom to go into the synagogue and read the scripture. Verse 17. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. Now listen, I want to tell you ahead of time. You got to know that this was a scripture that Jesus had probably read many times in that synagogue. But there was something different about him. This time, he was filled with the Holy Ghost. He was ready to launch his ministry. So notice the difference. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal. That's a Selah pause right there. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Now that phrase is a jubilee term. In other words, you know, every 50 years under Jewish custom, they would blow a trumpet and they would announce jubilee. And everybody that lost property, went into slavery, or whatever, was returned to the state 
that they were in before that 50-year span. Everything you lost was restored. Jesus was in effect saying, I am your jubilee. I have everything in me that you need to restore everything back to you that the devil stole from you. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. That just gets me excited. I have to, I have to just stay there for a second. I am your jubilee. I am your Savior. I am your healer. I am your deliverer. I am your soon coming King. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And he closed the book. And he gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. Can you not just picture that? You know, some scholars believe there's a reason that all eyes were on him. Because in the synagogues, there was a chair that was reserved for Messiah. That nobody was allowed to sit in. So Jesus gets up essentially and says, I am your Messiah. I am your Jubilee. And then he goes and he sits in Messiah's chair. No wonder every eye was fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Notice it says, he began to say. That says to me, this was a recurring theme everywhere Jesus went. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to heal. Hallelujah. He didn't just say it. He actually healed people. You know, over there in Matthew chapter 4 and also in chapter 9, it says pretty much verbatim the same thing. That Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching and preaching and healing. And I bet you everywhere he went, he quoted this scripture. And he said, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. Now who needs a healing touch? Glory to God. Praise the Lord. I need time to find out where I left off. This bears reading again. And he closed the book and he gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. And all bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Is not this Joseph's son? And he said unto them, You will surely say unto me this proverb, Physician, Heal thyself. Whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in thy country. Amen. He had already established a reputation as a healer. And he was going all over Galilee, preaching and teaching and healing. Amen. But when he got to Nazareth, it's like the healing anointing ground to a halt. Now, we know why, because... Over there in Mark chapter 6, verse 5 and 6, it says, He could there, in his own hometown, he could there do no mighty work because of their unbelief. He healed a few folks of minor ailments. That's about all he could get done. You mean Jesus, Master of the universe, can be limited by our unbelief? Yes, amen. You have to receive him as the great physician to receive healing from him. The word there that's translated physician means one who cures or one who heals. I am the cure, I am your healer, I am your great physician, and if you want to be healed, you need to recognize me and receive me as the great physician. 
Remember I said it was a deep desire on the part of Jesus that they accept Him as Messiah, as Savior, Deliverer, and Healer because He knew the key to them being set free was receiving Him as Messiah, receiving Him as the Great Physician. Amen. Glory to God. So here, they're saying, Physician, heal thyself. In other words, here in Nazareth, you need to do some image repair. You know, you need to get one of those, uh, what do you call it? You hire somebody, PR guy, you know, to prop you up a little bit. Because so far, you do not fit the bill from what we heard about you in other cities and villages. Now, I don't have time to read it, but Jesus goes on to say, no prophet is accepted in his own hometown. And he went on to say, you do not need to judge me after the flesh, because if you judge me after the flesh, you're going to miss out on receiving from God. Now imagine, they looked at him as the son of Joseph the carpenter. They looked at him after the flesh. They judged him after the flesh and completely overlooked the anointing and the gift that was on him. Now, imagine that. There's familiarity, and then there's familiarity with flaws. They were familiar with Jesus, but they were not familiar with any flaws. The only reason they were having trouble receiving from Him is because they were familiar with Him. We know Him. We watched Him grow up. We know His father, His mother, His brothers, His sisters. We watched Him as He worked by His father's side and then took over the carpenter business. We watched it all. This is Joseph the carpenter's son. How could he be anybody special? There's a lesson in that. Now, there's people in this church that have worked closely with me as we've built this church, and they've gotten to know me, and I guarantee you they've seen some flaws in me. But you can't discount the gift of God on a person's life because you look after the flesh. Paul said, I judge no man after the flesh. I'm looking at the anointing. I'm looking at the gift. If you'll do that, you'll stay out of trouble with gossiping and backbiting and all that kind of stuff. Amen? I've worked closely with men of God that I greatly admire, and I've seen, I've seen flaws. You know, But you know what? I chose to overlook those flaws and look at the gift of God on him. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So Jesus basically says, you have made a serious error in judging me after the flesh. Amen. Hallelujah. Had they received his ministry as others did in other cities, they would have had more than just a few minor ailments healed. Now, these days, modern times, we might not judge Jesus after the flesh like the people of Nazareth did. Modern Christians, most of them, acknowledge that Jesus is the perfect Son of God, fully human, yet fully God. Amen? But the sad reality is this. A vast percentage of the body of Christ do not receive Jesus as the great physician. And as a result, they do not receive from Him in that realm. Very, very sad. Jesus is more like the great I was than the great I am to a lot of Christians. Amen. Now I want to point out to you some interesting passages in the Scripture that illustrate that Jesus really is the great physician on a practical level that I think you'll enjoy. Amen. 
Let's talk about the first surgery. Genesis chapter 2, verse 20 through 22. And Adam gave names to all cattle, and to the fowl of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found and help meet. That word means suitable and complementary for him. There was not found somebody suitable and complementary for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. I submit to you, this is the first surgery in the history of mankind. And since Jesus, all through Scripture, is God's agent of creation, I believe this was Jesus that performed the surgery. Because the first thing he did after he took out that rib is he made something with that rib. He created another person with that rib. There in verse 22 it says, And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. He saw her and she was beautiful and naked and everything. He said, Whoa, man! For this cause will a man leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife and the two shall become one flesh. Woo, hallelujah. So here we see in Genesis chapter 2, the use of anesthetics put him into deep sleep. Evidently, there was an incision. There was an extraction of the rib. And then there was a closing up of the incision. My only question is this. Did it leave a scar? I kind of don't think it did. Because if you've got the great physician, he's going to do surgery, and it's going to look like nothing ever happened to you. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Woo! Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's talk about medicine prescribed by the great physician. We've talked about surgery performed by the great physician. Now I want to talk about medicine prescribed by the great physician. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 through 23. My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear unto my saints. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart, for they are life unto those that find them, and health, many translations say, medicine to all their flesh. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Amen. Here Jesus, the great physician, tells us to attend to or give special attention to the Word of God. Who is the living Word of God? Jesus. So you're going to argue with me that this is the great physician and he's saying, listen, this is the kind of medicine I'm prescribing for you. I don't think you're going to argue with me. I think you're going to agree with me. Amen. amen. Let me hear an amen. amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. He exhorts us to hear the word, read the word, and meditate on the word of God. Amen. All of this is necessary, he says, if we are to maintain a healthy heart. Amen. And a healthy heart is the key to a healthy body. Proverbs 14 verse 30 says, A sound heart is the life of the flesh. That word there, sound, is the Hebrew word marpe. It means a curative or healing word. A sound or a healthy healing heart is the life of the flesh. If you can get your heart healed, you can get the rest of you healed. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Notice that he tells us to take this medicine as much as we can. 
People say, I've got these nagging symptoms, and I get up in the morning, and I read my devotional, and I say a healing scripture, and uh, I still have the symptoms. Okay. Then they watch four hours of reality TV and wonder why their healing hasn't manifested. It's because they haven't been following the doctor's orders and taking the medicine as much as they should. If one dose of God's medicine is not enough... Increase the dosage. Take it two times or three times a day. Or four or five times a day. But one thing is clear. If you take this medicine, it will be effective. It's just a matter of where your faith is and what dosage level you need. You might need to say it ten times a day. Or twenty times a day. Or every time you think about it consciously, say, Jesus Himself, He took my infirmities, He bore my sicknesses, and with His stripes... I was and I am healed. Amen. Matthew 8, 16, 17, 1 Peter 2, 24, Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. <clears throat> Take that, devil. I just took a horse pill of the Word of God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. I want to share a testimony about how I was healed by just reading the Word of God. Notice it says, My son, attend to my words, incline thine ears unto my saying. Let them not depart. From thine eyes, keep them in the midst of thine heart, for they are life unto those that find them in health or medicine to all their flesh. And it's the key to keep in your heart with diligence so that the issues of life flow health out of your inner man, strength out of your inner man. Okay? But he says, attend to my words. If you're walking through the mall and you're on your way to the car, you've got an appointment, you've got somewhere you've got to go, and somebody stops you and wants to talk. You know, you're liable to say, if you're polite, hey, I'd love to stay and talk, but I have this meeting. I've got some things that I need to attend to. In other words, I need to give special attention to this thing, so I got to go. This is the sense of this word. You know, give the word special attention. And then it says, listen to the word. And then it says, read the word. Let them not depart from thine eyes. I think when you meditate on the word, it's not enough just to say the word out loud. Sometimes you need to get a Bible out or a device out, and you need to read the words, see those words. Now, remember, this happened about a year and a half ago. I came home. I believe it was right after church. I had a really good meal, and, you know, I'm not sure whether I got a hold of some piece of meat or something or it was a 24-hour virus. I don't know, but a couple hours after church, I went from being totally normal to feverish, I ached all over, I was extremely nauseated, and I was just bent over with pain in my gut. And I felt more and more and more like I needed to throw up. So my way of dealing with it, you know, I was, I can't remember the circumstances, but I was at home by myself. So I went into our half bath downstairs, I took my shirt off and hovered over the commode and prepared to hurl, you know. Because my, in my mind, if I can just get this out, I think I'll feel a whole lot better. This, whatever this is, needs to come out. So I'm sitting there just preparing to hurl. I even put my hands on the commode ring, you know. And is that what you call it, commode ring? Life preserver? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so um, all of a sudden, just... You know, sometimes the Lord will just speak to you out of the blue. 
And the Lord spoke to me in that it wasn't the still, small voice. It was the inward, audible voice. It wasn't audible, audible, but it was audible because I could hear it on the inside. He said, get your device and read Proverbs 17. It was just like that. I'm like, yes, sir. I went and got my device. I dialed up Proverbs 17, and I started reading it line by line. And I got down to verse 22 where it said, it says, A merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. I'll never forget it. From my head all the way down to my toes, all of a sudden, all of that mess just drained out of my body. In a matter of a second, I was instantly healed. Just by looking at the Word of God. Amen. Glory to God. Now I can't promise you that that's going to happen to you every time. I haven't been instantly healed like that every time. But I was obedient to the Spirit. And I received the great physician. And I took the medicine he had for me in the proper way. And I was instantly healed. Amen. Glory to God. Whoo. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The last thing I want to leave you with is the exhortation for you to trust the great physician. 2 Chronicles 16, 11-13 And behold, the acts of Asa, first and last, lo, they are written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. And Asa in the thirty and ninth year of his reign was diseased in his feet, until his disease was exceeding great. Yet in his disease he sought not to the Lord, but to the physicians. The Amplified says, He did not seek the Lord, but relied only on the physicians. And, verse 13 says, And Asa slept with his fathers and died in the one and fortieth year of his reign. Two years later, he died. Because he sought the physicians only and didn't seek the Lord. Okay, am I saying don't go to the doctor? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying if you go to the doctor, go to the doctor trusting Jesus, the great physician. Don't you dare go to the doctor trusting in Him. Now listen, I'm a man of science. I am not anti-science and I am certainly not anti-medical science because when it's applied correctly, it's fighting the same enemy. Amen? Disease and sickness. We want that eradicated. And if some people don't have enough faith to trust the great physician for their complete healing, they need medicine. Thank God for medical science. Half the body of Christ would be wiped out if there wasn't doctors. Because they certainly don't know how to believe God to be healed. Again, I don't want anyone to construe anything I've said this morning to be anti-medical science. Because medical science has its place. But there are limitations and they don't have all the answers. Bottom line, Jesus, the great physician, will meet you at your level of faith. If you're trusting Jesus to guide the physician of your choice to perform the right procedure or prescribe the right medicine for your condition, then He'll meet you at that level of faith. He will. If you've decided to trust in Jesus alone, and I know people like this, and not to have a procedure or take a course of prescribed medication then He'll meet you at that level of faith. I know people in this room, I'm not going to point them out, who have said no to the doctor. I'm not going to do that. 
I don't, th- I don't have a peace about that. I don't think that's right for me. It's important who you put your trust in. Like I said, if you go to the doctor, go to the doctor, trust in Jesus, the great physician. If the doctor advises a procedure, hear me out. If the doctor advises a procedure or prescribes a medicine and you don't have a peace about it, listen to the Holy Spirit and make your medical choices accordingly. Amen? Amen. And I want to say this. If you have fear, when you say you're trusting the Lord, if there's any fear at all, re-examine. You might need to go to the doctor. You know what I'm saying? I don't want anybody to misread me here. I'm just saying even if you do go to the doctor, trust the great physician. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Trust Jesus. Dr. Jesus can do it right. You know, I personally saw Dr. Jesus do surgery on a man's shoulder. This has been about 30 years ago. I laid hands on a man, and his right shoulder blade had been completely eaten away by a degenerative bone disease. And I laid hands on him in a matter of seconds. I heard popping and grinding. And that shoulder blade was regrown under my hand as I laid hands on him in about 20 seconds. Dr. Jesus operated on him and he was completely healed. That was on a Sunday. I was teaching a class on the gifts of the Spirit in my church in Corpus Christi, Texas. That was on a Sunday. On a Thursday, he was scheduled for orthopedic surgery. They sent him in for pre-op x-rays and they said, Andy, we don't know what happened to you, but here's the x-rays before, here's the x-rays after. You have a brand new shoulder blade. We're canceling your surgery. Amen. Jesus is the great physician, and we need to see Him that way if we are to receive from Him in the realm of healing. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message, Jesus, the Great Physician. If you'd like to hear more about Faith Life Fellowship and access more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, you can visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington. <music>